Hey, what is up? Happy New Year from the Leafs combo. Norman James and Mike uh, Jello, the podcast back in full force for another year talking about the Maple Leafs. Mr. Jello, as of now, almost halfway through the season, the Leafs are the third best team in the NHL in terms of points. They have the third best goal differential. Really amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. They finished 22 in the way that um, they pretty much typically play lose to a shitty team and then come back and beat a team that we didn't expect them to beat so what else should we be expecting for 2023 more of the same or do you think it changes right around the corner well um good morning norm uh, I, i'll just say this you know like uh, the, the more things change the more they stay the same uh you know the, the leafs are playing fantastic right now they were playing fantastic coming out of the late December break last year because of the league being shut down because of COVID. And, you know, they had a really good second half, not great goaltending, but again, it's all really, I, the, my mantra for this year is it's all meaningless until we get to mid April. And, you know, again, when you lose to teams, that you shouldn't lose to even, you know, even if you come back and you beat, and it wasn't the Stanley cup champions because, you know, Landis Gog is out and Nakushkin's out. And, you know, I mean, they just got McKinnon back. It was a good victory and nobody's complaining about it. The Leafs played really well. They had an incomplete game against St. Louis. They blew the lead, but then won in overtime. Mm. But if I take anything out of this three game road trip, it's the performance in Arizona. And again, now you're not going to play teams like Arizona, like Montreal, like Chicago, or you know Buffalo to a lesser extent because they have some um, they have some good young players and they're starting to come around. Um, but you're not going to face those teams in the playoffs. But by not beating them, you increase your chances of playing tougher opposition in the playoffs. Right. And some people look at the standings right now, and Boston, you know, is just unbelievable right now, twenty-eight four and four. Um, and they're winning because, you know, Bergeron is still good and Krejci came back refreshed and they're playing more enthusiastic under Jim Montgomery than they did in our Bruce Cassidy. You know, it doesn't look like, you know, the Leafs are at a breakneck pace. They're 23, right. eight and six, and they're eight points behind Boston. So more than likely they're finishing in second place and lurking in third place, five points behind them with two games in hand is the Tampa Bay lightning. So they're going to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs, you know, barring anything dramatic. And the question is now, can they beat the team that they lost in seven games to? And Mm -hmm. when you lose to teams that you should beat like Arizona, a team that is trying to lose. And I mean, not the players, not the coach, but the organization. And you mail it in. Uh, I think Elliot Friedman had the statistic. They've lost four times to Arizona in a calendar year. They lost, you know how many, that's, I think they they had one tie out of those games. That's seven points. That's seven points. And that was the difference last year. The games against Montreal, Buffalo, and Arizona was the difference between them finishing in first and finishing finishing in second. This year, maybe that's not the case. They're not going to catch Boston. But it's just symptomatic of a team that sometimes just there's a mental uh, situation. So this questions the Leafs' legitimacy as a true contender. You can't put away these teams you need to. 
and you may laugh it off like, huh, you know, every so often we have a, a stumble, yeah. we lose, we move on, we beat everybody else. But you brought it up, Mike. Those losses have implications and ramifications when you cannot get the points that you should be getting, not having those points hurt you when you're trying to achieve something that puts you in a better state going into that period that you have constantly failed in, and that is the playoffs. This is the convo for uh, for Oak Ridge Ford, for um, you know all of you, everybody else who is a big supporter of the uh, podcast. Uh, Happy New Year, by the way. I'm seeing a lot of people jumping back into the chat. It's been uh, a week and a bit, so it's nice to see you. Mr. Angelo. This is Jin, by the way. Oh, that, that is gin. And you know what? Uh, if there's anybody who deserves some gin right about now, it's you considering everything that you've been uh, having to put up with over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you've emerged from your humble abode to uh, see that Chicktawaga still exists. All, all the snow is gone. We've had rain and 50 degree temperatures the last four days. All the, the snowpocalypse is gone by the way of the dodo bird. It's ridiculous. Well, I sound like an old man uh, ranting and raving from my veranda. There's a <laughs> there's a word, a blast from the past. But it's true, though, you know, having snow and then balmy temperatures a week later and then more snow and then flipping back to bullshit rain. It sucks. This climate sucks, man. Whatever happened to definitive seasons, you know, right at right around Halloween, you're you're debating on whether to wear a jacket over your ninja costume. And then well, we get snow and then it's snow and it's snow and it's cold until early March. And then you get spring. I mean, the past, Mike, we can try to dredge up the past and live in the past. But here we are in uh, the pr present times. And in terms of our climate, it's just way too inconsistent for me. Well, today, today is and I think it was on January 2nd. And I think it was 2014 was the uh, the. Um, uh, the winter classic at the big house at, uh, in Michigan. Uh, and I was talking to Russ Cohen, who I do a podcast with, and he mm -hmm. was at that game. And that was, I think eight now, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a blizzard. It was, and it was really cold right. And in Fenway today where the winter classic is between Boston and Pittsburgh. They've had to they put out the ice. Yeah. They've had to put out fake snow, you know, that it's, it's sort of raining there. I mean, it's not, terrible they're going to have, be able to get the game off and the the, the ice conditions are, are not going to be bad but i'm just mm -hmm. saying it's like it's weird that like you, you just get and i'm not let's not get into a climate podcast but it's like you know you you have you have two, box yeah. come for us mike if we if we yeah. bring mike michael matthew happy new year's and greetings from sunny saint lucia oh you suck yeah that's where it should be warm right uh, i just got his big screen for the back of the boat I hate this guy even more. <laughs> yeah, um, Michael, I want your recommendations uh, for a Caribbean trip for next Christmas because I think Christmas from Christmas Eve to New Year's, I'm going. I'm going on a cruise. I just want to. I don't want to go away. I'm getting away from the bad weather. <laughs> you know, I'll be drinking mai tais on, on the veranda or on the yeah. deck of uh, the Andrea Doria or, or the Titanic or whatever it is. I just want to get that lot here. The world oh. discoverer. That shouldn't be. Uh... You know, you but, should be ending up a uh, hundred feet underwater but, but um, if you end here, up on that one. Here, here's my here's my thing, and some people say it's sort of counterintuitive that I get so 
exercised about how the Leafs play against Arizona and then in the other in the same breath say well the regular season doesn't mean anything the regular season means something in terms of positioning for the playoffs everybody knows that this team is going to make the playoffs it's the the real season and the real consequences start in the middle of April when the first round starts and who they play and who where where they play are big things and I am just saying right now um the chances of them getting out of the first round and, and advancing in the playoffs. I mean, do I think that, do I think they can beat Tampa? No, until they do, I won't believe it because right what now, makes you think they can do it this time? Right. Overlap. The, the only thing norm that I think is different from last year. I think, first of all, I think their defense is deeper and they're, they have more confidence in guys like Sandine and Lilligren and a veteran like Giordano and the addition of Timmons that gives them more confidence that their that their defense is deeper. So Morgan Riley's back. Yeah. And that gives Sheldon Keefe and upstairs the, the guys who are the puppeteers uh, mm -hmm. more options, which is good. Yeah. I mean, Riley's back. He, he doesn't look – I mean, I think he's a little rusty. They don't come time. Yeah, that'll, that'll come in a, in a week or two. Mm -hmm. um, and Rasmus Sandin is apparently relatively close, maybe mm -hmm. this week. Right. So that gives Sheldon Keefe a lot of options. Now he has eight defensemen. You know, Jordy Ben is, you know, the the likely one scratch. I mean, he's he was basically there, brought in there to be a veteran guy who could play and both that's sides. Okay, Mike, I, I yeah. don't I don't think he's expecting much more. No, no, and that that's fine. And he's a he's a a good guy in terms of team camaraderie. So, you know, he knows his role, <laughs> right. but, but the problem is now, which one of the seven do you sit? And that's why I think they'll take their time with Sandine and make sure he's a hundred percent. But in my eyes, you know, maybe you give Giordano a game here or there of rest. Um, maybe you, you've got now, you know, Brody can play the left or right side. You got Timmons, Timmons, you've got Hall, you've got, Liljegren playing the Speaking right. Of Timmons, Mike, Brad Tindall, Connor, Connor Timmons is the best passer the Leafs have had in a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, Leaf passers are fun to watch. He, he's noticed it. Have you? Yes. Great point, Brad. Uh, I think you know, he is an excellent passer. That's been the book on him since he played at the Sioux. Um, he's six foot two. He doesn't get pushed off, pushed off the puck. Right. Um, so that, I mean, those are valuable commodities. And, and mm -hmm. you know, um, I think that, uh, you know, he has earned, at least in it with his play in the last dozen games since he joined the Leafs, an opportunity to stay in the lineup. Um, now, I think, you know, what, what they're probably going to do, like they've done many times in the past with bottom pairing guys, is they'll, they'll do a rotation. It's like one game, um, you know, Sandine might get uh, get uh, uh, be sat one day, Liljegren one day, Timmons, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so until they lock into a top six that they are sort of etched in stone with, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that keeps everybody on their toes. It also gives a guy like Giordano some rest, even though he'll say, "I might, I don't need any." I think they were. I think going into the season, they wanted to load manage. Giordano and maybe he wouldn't have been mm -hmm. all in on that, but I think then they had to play him 20 minutes. I think he's shown a little bit of wear and tear lately. So I don't think it's a bad thing to give him a game off, but I think that's how they're going to handle it. At least. And, and to, in my mind, <clears throat> it takes the need for a big ad on the blue line sort of off the table. I don't think they need to do that. I think they'll still add, they might add a depth guy just in case, but 
Uh, I don't think they need to go out and get into the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes or Klingberg or somebody like that. I think they're going to shop in another area. Well, the Leafs would be best served to themselves to enter the playoffs with more players than they functionally require, right? Mm -hmm. Strategically, you need as many bodies as you possibly can get and have dudes chomping at the bit to be drawn into the lineup to be given a chance to make a difference. Mm -hmm. It looks right now that um, the if if everybody's healthy, the Leafs might see themselves in that position where they know they have a replacement laying in wait uh, who would be adequate um, uh, in, in a moment. Maybe not many moments, but in a moment until someone else um, can draw back in. Sean Robertson, left wing with grit and depth on D. Yeah. Perhaps the depth on D has already been taken care of. Well, it's okay. Wing grit. I mean, this is this is the issue. It's like um, you have eight right now. You have eight defensemen right now. I don't think they want to get rid of any one of those eight. Yeah, that, yes, I am. Pon, I am pounding the gin and juice. There you go. We're, we're, <laughs> um, I, I like the only one, and this is my opinion. The only one of the eight that might be somebody that they. Uh, disperse would be Hall because Hall is a rental. But I think everybody recognizes based on the usage of Hall by Sheldon Keefe as the, one of the top penalty killers. A lot of minutes to fill. A lot of, well, yes, but I mean, he's big and they play him on the PK along with Brody. Right. So if I had to say who's going to be one of the top six, unfortunately, I think it's Hall. And I, I have issues with Hall, but the coach believes in him, and they, and they need this size on the blue line. So he probably is not one that they would move out. So I think he hasn't – he's – again, it's not like he was starting from a point of pedigree or excellence, but he hasn't really regressed. I mean, he's slowly – He is. Slowly, he is. Uh, forming into a, a confident guy. And he I know is. that's a concern, but, like, it's not as if he's – a detriment to to this group. No, he is what he is. He's you know, I mean, he's like I said, he's big. He's right-handed. Uh, he doesn't get pushed pushed out the puck. He mm -hmm. does give away the puck. He sure. can make bad decisions at times. So that's why, like, he's a he's a lightning rod for for controversy. Um, but I, I like I don't see them moving out or moving on from anybody on the blue line. So that's why. Yeah, I mean, Jim Dawson Krause has term until 2027 cap hit at 4.3. Trade for Kerfoot, Jim Bianchini. Okay, okay, Jim, dream on about Lawson Krause. I've been singing that song for a long time, longer than I've been singing The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. But it's like it's not it's not happening. Arizona signed him to a long-term extension. He's their he arguably their best forward. It's not happening. Okay. So, I mean, I think you have a better chance if you're looking, if you're looking at pot, and this is not based on anything that I've heard, but I'm like looking at the situation in terms of a team that is borderline for the playoffs. And right now, I think Minnesota is going to make the playoffs. But if Minnesota um, uh, fell out of the playoff race, a guy like Marcus Felino is a guy that I would target because he's big, uh, he's fast enough, and he's physical. But and then that's something that the Leafs don't have. But I don't think Minnesota is going to trade him. And if you're talking about rental guys, um, then, you know, the options are, are limited. Um, now, well, John, brings up, 
John brings up Ryan O'Reilly, and John may not have heard the news. It just came out about an hour and a half ago that Ryan O'Reilly broke his foot, and he's out until probably mid-February. Um, that means a couple weeks before the deadline. He'll, does, that lower his, does that lower um, the uh, the package? Like, does that decrease what it would take to get a guy like this? Probably slightly at most. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, he's not having a good year, but he's a good player. But that's isn't that the kind of guy the Leafs would want? Yes, you can, oh, get, yeah. you can get him for a song. Well, you're not going to get him for a song. That's the problem. The oh. problem is, um, I've I've talked to reporters who are in. Boston and the reports uh, and there's speculation that the Bruins are in on O'Reilly and to, gee, I mean, like they really need them, but it's like, you know, they're, they're smelling blood in the water. They think they can win a Stanley cup with, with you know, Bergeron and Krejci and they're fine, you know, and they're, uh, at, with their, uh, with the sun setting on their careers and everything going right for Boston that they add a guy like O'Reilly. That's just one more really good player. I think the Leafs could definitely use him. He could play wing. He could play would Stanley. you, would you consider, would you consider bringing him aboard just to negate the possibility he ends up in Boston? No, no, you don't do that. You don't no. trade. You don't trade first round picks and top prospect just to keep a player away from another another team. You do it if you think that player helps you. Okay. And then, and I think he would help them dramatically. He you, sure. could, put, you could put him at third line center, and you know then have Matthews, Tavares, and O'Reilly. You could put him on the wing on the in the top six, and he could play with Tavares, take faceoffs, or you know take faceoffs for Matthews, or you know whatever. I mean, he'd be a designated faceoff guy. I, I think that they would go that way. It'd be expensive, but I think uh, based on what Elliot Friedman reported on Saturday, he said that it's starting to look like the Leafs are not going to go the direction of the big defensive ad, and I agree with I've agreed with that for a while. And that they might go for like two smaller moves, a defenseman and a forward. Mm. If they have eight defensemen, I don't know whether there's the need there to go out and get a, say a Luke Shen. Um, you know, it'd be nice, but I mean, you can only carry so many players on your roster um, and you have a limited cap space. So say, just extrapolate from that and say, okay, they're keeping their eight. They're not adding on defense. So that means they could add one or two forwards. And I think, you know, based on the fact that somebody like Joey Anderson or Dryden Hunt or Wayne Simmons is playing in your top 12 on the fourth line, you can add one player and it would help you out. If you add two, that just gives you depth. And, you know, similar to what they did a couple years ago when they acquired um, from Columbus, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Somebody in the, somebody in the chat will know. Uh, 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 Riley Nash. They, they added Riley Nash, who was on LTIR. And then they brought him back for the playoffs. It didn't work, but he was a veteran depth guy, and it, the the this philosophy was the was the right thing to do. So if they can bring in somebody as a thirteenth forward, and then they add somebody else um, who can play on the left side in their top six, I consider that a successful uh, trade deadline uh, philosophy. But whether they do it, who they who they add, that's the big question. This is the Convo Norm along with Mike. Like this content, subscribe to the channel, let your friends know about what we are doing. Season five, I don't think we've missed too much time, Mike. I think we've been doing something every single week. We're at 17, 18, 19 episodes in, and we're going straight through until the end of the season. And then 
potentially beyond the end of the season, deep into a, a playoff run, because since we uh, put this show together back in 2018, neither Mike nor I have been a part of any kind of Leafs Convo podcast that has been, you know, postseason centric. It's been one round and then the autopsy and then a few shows. And then we've kind of usually put it to bed. Even last year, we thought the, the end was upon us. Uh, but uh, here we are. Once again, Dryden Hunt, uh, the kind of the, the thumbnail focal point of our last piece, right? mm-hmm. the good player hunting, uh, 30 shifts deep into two games, one against Arizona, one against Colorado. Is he just a guy or did you see anything? I mean, he, he's he's just a guy, but he's a physical guy and he provides an a- aspect that this right. team is short of. I mean, he, he got into a fight against Arizona. He had five or six hits. Um, he was noticeable against Colorado, his former team, as as was uh, Dennis. I can't score Morgan for for Colorado. Did he um, pick up a point? <laughs> he picked up an assist, but he almost scored. But it, thankfully, he continued to do what he did with Toronto, which was not score. Um, but yet, Hunt. I mean, Hunt is he's a role player. He's physical. Yeah. He he can keep up with the pace. Um, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's just not going to score, and uh, that's not really his job. And he had a couple opportunities against Colorado, right. but I think he's he's a guy who that might be the 13th forward when it comes to the playoffs. But right. he's capable and he's experienced, so I think that's a that's a, that was a good solid add. And again, you know, Morgan was more of what they already had, so getting somebody who who played a little different is I think the way to go instead of calling up Kyle Clifford to play in the playoffs, maybe hunt is the guy that they bring in for energy. If they're playing against Tampa and getting pushed around a uh, good question about from Rob M in the, in the chat there about, about Jonathan Taves, as opposed to Ryan O'Reilly, the difference there is Jonathan Taves is making 10 and a half million. Ryan O'Reilly's making seven and a half million. Either one of those guys, the team is going to have to retain 50% for most contenders to be able to acquire them. And as Rob saying, you know, them getting Taves since he's making, you know, even retaining uh, 50% would be five and a quarter. The, the Leafs probably would have to filter that through a third team to get the salary down. And that costs more. So, I mean, you're first saying, okay, well, it's a first round pick and something to get Taves, and then you're paying us something else to get another team to retain salary. That's a tough thing. I mean, sorry, what do you think Kyle Dubas and his intelligentsia are thinking? What do you think they think of their team? And do do you think that they still need to make a an impact move or two in a time when doing something like that is very restricted? Do you think that um, they think that this team isn't good enough? Put your head, uh, put your, put yourself in their headspace right now. We'll wrap it up here soon. Okay. Do I think that they need to make a significant ad before the deadline? Yes. Um, whether it be top six winger, whether it be a couple physical forwards who can stir, who can provide pushback against Tampa or Boston. Yes. Do I think they think that? I don't know. I mean, we know that they've stuck with this philosophy philosophy of skill and speed versus uh, in terms of a philosophy to win for Mm -hmm. a long time. And I think you have to be multidimensional and they still, you know, they win puck battles. They're fast. They may, they score They're you know, they're good defensively. They've improved the blue line. The goaltending has improved, 
But I think that that physical aspect is extremely important, especially in a playoff scenario. And they don't seem to think that. And they haven't won in six years. So other other teams do and other teams win. And, you know, just to to kind of – add to the conversation i had a, a post up in community right now if you're new to the the project go check it out youtube.com slash leafs convo community um do you think the the leafs need to get tougher to truly win and it's incredible the pushback we get just asking that question um the the t word the toughness word is a very um because it's, it's, it's imposing for some as if a player that who's tough is going to come and beat you up for your lunch money. That is right. not what that's not what I was suggesting. But even right. asking the question throws people off. And what I ask is, how, like, how how do you win without being tougher when everyone else wins with toughness? And well, when we ask about like, well, you know, what about Boston? Maybe they're going to come back to earth. And you know, we're you know, we are better than Tampa this time. It's the, the rest of the league isn't going to conform to what the Leafs are trying to do. At some point, the Leafs are going to have to make some adjustments and say, hey, this is generally our plan, but we're going to um, do a few extra things. John Ferrari, stop wasting picks and prospects for rentals. You need to build from within. Haven't the Leafs done that for the most part? Well, okay, for first, on the, first on the toughness thing, I think it's, right. a, I think it's a misinterpretation. Right. Because people think we're saying toughness. They need to add toughness. We're not talking about adding Colt Nor. We're not talking about adding Fraser McClaren. But they know that, and they're just no. I don't think they do. You can hear what we're saying. You, it's recorded. I know, but 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 there's a disconnect between our mouths and their and their brains because they're not they're not listening to what we say. I'm talking about physical play from your top nine guys who can play the game and be physical. Tom Wilson, Mason Marchment. Those type of guys are top nine players who play physical and they're difference makers and the Leafs have none of them. Do they have a lot of good players in their top nine? Yes. I think they're a great team, but you cannot miss the fact that you have, you know, got you, you, you've gone through this with, you know, Matthew, okay. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, I mean, Matthews steps it up in the playoffs. Now he gets physical. Mitch Marner, William Nealander, John Tavares are not going out and hitting guys from behind and being physical in the playoffs. That's just not their game, and you can't ask them to do that. But, you know, they can fight through that stuff. But mm-hmm. I think as much as you need – support then if they're not going to be able to play. Right, as much as you need players to fight through that, you also need players to respond. Right. That's why, like, you know, Kyle Clifford last year in the playoffs in game one, when he responded, he went over the hill. He got suspended, but the Leafs needed that pushback because they didn't have anybody to compete with Nick Paul and Corey Perry and Alex Kalorn and keep going on and on and on. And they still don't. Mike, can I just throw this out? Brad Tendall has been a great contributor throughout the season and specifically the show. Toughness is an attitude, uh, Rob M. Tough equals mentality and physically tough. Good point, guys, because when when it permeates your lineup and that's how you play with skill, speed, toughness, intelligence, it's part of your game. You're not going to get thrown off when another team comes back at you like that. But when you bring in some guy who is there to offset the lack of toughness he can do things that are fucked up look at uh uh nazim kadri a few years ago and again this is this is gonna this is gonna stick in your um you know 
this is something that you'll never allow him to live down. But he was that he knew that the rest of the team wasn't going to be tough. So what did he do? He did asinine, dumb things, right. screwed himself, screwed the team. But when the from top to bottom, it's a it's a general team toughness to to push back to say sorry guys, it's not happening this time. Then the 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 composition and the flow of the team is to be tough. It's not well these guys aren't doing anything. Send numb nuts over the board to to cause some trouble, and he gets himself into a pickle. And uh, it, again, it just sort of uh, deviates from what the plan should be, and that's a general team toughness that right. runs from top to bottom that everybody can buy into, and everybody feels support from one another because they're all playing the same kind of game i kind of look at these cats now the top dudes who've kind of been through um through regular season success and have been stonewalled during the playoffs they have to ask themselves you know what kind of you know how, how are we going to adjust to try to take that next step we've got so much caliber so much capability something's missing we all know what it is last points to you mike well right right now Right now, the tough, you know, in terms of toughness, in terms of pushback, the two toughest guys on the Maple Leafs are Mark Giordano and Michael Bunting. Giordano stepped in for Matthews. He has done that a couple times. And that's, they shouldn't be the ones to have to do that. There should be other players who have to do that or can do that more capably. And right now, yeah, and Pierre Engvall is big, but that's not his game. So, um, no, I don't know who it was that you put up the, the, uh, the, the point about uh, uh, building from within. I mean, I agree. I, I do. I think, and I think there are good players in the organization, but the type of players that we're looking for in terms of that pushback, there's one guy right now, one, and his name is Matthew Nyes. And expecting Matthew Nyes as a 20-year-old to come mm-hmm. out of the NCAA and be Tom Wilson, it's not going to happen. It's not fair. It's not, it's not right. So that's, that is what, Kyle Dubas is going to have to address before the deadline is to add one or two players who I'm not saying goons and I'm not saying guys they're going to go out and get Tom. I think it's not tough. Spike 11. Spike, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. That's the Look, end talking. Spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spike, if, if, that's, if that's what you believe, if that's what you, you hey, believe, don't watch the show. Michael Bunting if is just tough. Not, as- if there were nine Michael Buntings, you know, for the through the first three lines with the extra talent that the the rest of them have. I don't. Yeah. We would not be having this conversation, and I think the Leafs may not have as many points right now, but they'd certainly be uh, destined for a lot more success when it really counts. With the abuse that he takes, he goes to areas that other players on this team doesn't. He's he's tough. Now, is he a rat? Yes, he's Bre- he's Brendan Gallagher. He's Brad Marchand. That's a. But it takes a lot of toughness and fortitude to. To go into battle, to go he's isolated, he's isolated, and that's that's, yeah, and, that's the problem, right? So I mean, he does. He would not have to do half the stuff that he does if he had some support on other lines with with his team. But he fights the battles, and hey, he's or like look at right now, they're going with five forwards in the power play and Bunting playing them in front of the net because he stirs it up. Yes, he's tough. He's now is he somebody who's going to hit people for you know and make a physical difference? No. He's a smaller guy. Hey, Teddy, uh, our boy in Florida, wants everybody to come down. Are you going to host us, Teddy? Uh, I, I'd love to have a drink with you, buddy, and just hang out and just shoot the shit. Uh, the old con smite saying, if you can't beat him in the alley, you can't beat him on the ice. Again, it's the T word that really throws a lot of people off and gets them all pissed off, right? It's just like, it's like, you know, I don't like to talk toughness, but I'm going to be tough uh, on my phone here when I send you bullshit texts. 
right? Because you think you're tough. And, and I'm just throwing that out because it still happens. And it's just, it's sad because you, you know, that's not what we're about. But Ted, Ted threw the, the ghost of uh, Con Smythe have made a good point. Like if you can't beat him in the alley, can you, can you really beat him on the ice, right? Uh, Super Strike 9, uh, are there goons and forcers anymore? Seems like there's just rats and pests. You know what? The Look, if the league embraces rats and pests, who have a you know an element of toughness to their game, uh, you know a, a lot of pushback. Then I mean the Leafs are just going to have to play that kind of game, really. Like get more rats and get more pests who are not going to be um, you know negative to the overall uh, movement and philosophy of the process. It's just what what I'm saying is I just this team is is so front loaded in talent and it's 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 got a a, a method and an idea that is. Um, you know, not based in reality of how you win, how you truly win. You can get all the points you want in the fucking regular season and go splat in the playoffs and keep telling yourself that one day it's going to happen. The rest of the league is not trying to conform to how the Leafs play to allow the Leafs to finally win, right? When we keep going on about how our team is great, our team is fine, our team is fine, and these are the things you need, more speed, more mulligans, more guys like that. Fuck it, man. You're never you're uh, you're never gonna win. Not to you know, not to uh, devolve this conversation into something that is gonna end up negative, Mike. But this is where we end up typically when we start a conversation back to what we believe is the the the, the true issue with the organization. Time will tell if uh, if ultimately this is the the year that they can break free from the criticism. I'm just I'm just not thinking that'll be the case. Last word to you. Yeah, there, there's not much to complain about, obviously, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, I find reason to complain about everything. But, you know, a lot of te- a lot of teams would like to be in the place that Toronto is right now. But with the specter of them basically playing in a division where the top three teams in their division are in the top six in the league, and you're going to face one of those teams, either Boston or Tampa, in the first round, you have to be better than everybody to get out of your own division. And between now and March the 3rd, Kyle Dubas is going to have to find out what it's going to take to get past Tampa or Boston in the first round, and we'll see what he does. Guys, it'll be like a workshop for us. Any ideas that you have uh, about this team and what you're thinking? Is it Does it align with the thoughts that Mike and I have put forth? Or maybe there's something out there that nobody's really thinking about. Nobody has really broached. Nobody has brought up. Throw that out there too. And, uh, you know, as we push forward towards the trade deadline, when, you know, the, the Leafs have to put their cards on the table, who knows, maybe you'll have come up with uh, what turns out to be uh, the cure that ails this team when it comes to the playoffs. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to figure it out. In the meantime, the Leafs have the Blues uh, back at Scotiabank Arena tomorrow, and I I don't see the Leafs um, you know succumbing to any kind of uh, f- like uh, long running failure that will push them out of the place there. And I think the 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 situation will be much like it has been and much like it looks right now. A team that's a a few steps off the top but many steps ahead of the rest of the pack, which leaves so much to be (laughs) desired, Mike. They're just, they're almost there. What do they need to do to take that next step and and be something special? We both believe it's uh, the the added toughness because everything else seems to be there right now. Mike, anything else you want to add or you want to go and get into that gin even deeper? 
Well, uh, just that um, a Joey Anderson got sent back to the Marlies uh, this morning. Uh, played very well for them. Uh, so there's one guy that you know they can call up uh, later in the season if if need be. That's a depth forward that I think is good. And also uh, that game with the Blues tomorrow, Ryan O'Reilly will be out, and Vladimir Tarasenko will be out. So um, they should be uh, easier to beat than they were last week, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So we'll see what happens. I'll give Brad Tindall the last words. Nylander will be a monster in this playoffs. I guarantee it. Yeah. And what, what, is, what is that going to amount to? More I'm your mouth to God. And more of his fans talking about he's the greatest player ever. Great. I'm still, Brad, I'm still, okay. The as next I, step is a monster trade. Riley, trade him. The Maasai move, really. As, 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 I, as I said last year, the first half of the year, William Nylander, I said he was an all-star. And he was Dr. Nylander the first half. He was Mr. Willie the second half. If he continues to play like he's playing now, then he could be a monster in the playoffs. And I would love to see that happen. But every year there's been a lull where he starts yeah. to say, okay, I'm going to do what I want. And that's – when they that's when they really have trouble we'll offense see. isn't the problem no offense isn't the problem it's not the problem Jin. clearly the goaltending's like their top what top three in goals diff like the second fewest goals against this is it's this is great that's great that's stabilized the, the defense there's a lot of bodies there's you know the offense scores goals Okay, are those the three elements that are going to take you through? I, I don't think so. All right, for Mike, I'm Norm. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. The combo is out.